for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Living Life. Now, I, as a pastor who, are, who is bilingual, you know, sometimes we would have pastors only speaking Korean, but there is also pastors who do not speak Korean and they only speak uh, English in our ministry. And they have to be in a meeting together or sometimes just in a gathering, but you will see that the uh, the pastor who can only speak one language have trouble when the language is spoken only in one direction. But thankfully, yes, I, as a bilingual person, um, sometimes translate and inter interpret for those uh, who do not understand the language. But there are times when the time where the pastors uh, get experience in those language, they somehow understand the body language or um, the gist of the uh, the communications and the, and and the and the and the things that are being discussed, and you will notice that the person sometimes, if the person doesn't want to understand, tends to use the special technique called selective listening. And when you speak afterwards and say, "Yes, I did understand what the the people were talking about," but I try not to express that I understood because sometimes that goes to your advantage. And we would jokingly say oftentimes to the pastors that, yes, he's using that technique of having, using this selective hearing or selective understanding. But in today's passage, we see there are sense where people had their own ways of selectively understanding and hearing, especially the kingdom of God. You will see a communication that comes into conflict between the Pharisees and Jesus. But clearly, they knew the scripture. They understood what it's supposed to be. But they chose for their advantage to selectively understand for their own self. And we see that how that proceeds in today's passage. So we're going to take a look at it together. Let's take a look. Chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, Here it is, or There it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but will not see it. People will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. 
It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. So in the very first verses of today's passage, we see the Pharisees ask Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. Now we know from studying scripture, especially the gospel, that they had a different expectation of how kingdom of God should look like. They were looking for a physical Messiah who would rebuild the Davidic kingdom, like in a physical sense, um, drive out the Roman Empire and establish a true Judean king. And that's what they were expecting. That's why they said, now that it seems like you are the Messiah and performing God's miracle with power, they asked when the kingdom of God would come. So that is their understanding of this term, kingdom of God. And they use it for their own self-purpose because they are the religious leaders. And I could say they're using their uh, own special technique, like I said in the beginning, selective seeing. They want to see selectively the things that they hope for and expect. But Jesus says in reply, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Uh, that sounds kind of odd, right? I mean, where are people who use his eyes to see things? And you will see in the latter verses, there is a lot of things of signs and invisible things that Jesus describes. But Jesus says in an opening replyance, it's something that cannot be observed. Why? Because Jesus is speaking in a sense, you have a wrong expectation. You're looking for things that you will never see. Jesus says, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because they're pointing at the things wrongfully. Jesus says, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, is that saying that it's in your heart, in your mind? I think Jesus is saying more that here I am in your midst. You're looking for something wrong. But here I stand before you. I am the Son of God, and I am in your midst. I think that's what Jesus is saying before them. That's why I say it's something that cannot be observed because you have a wrong expectation. You look for things in a self-centered greed and hope for a religious advantage as you hope for something that God will never give. But rather, I am here, the true kingdom of God being displayed before you. And in order for this to be realized, Jesus says, as he explains further to the disciples that he would have to suffer and he will be returning 
And that's the latter verses that Jesus teaches. And there's some things that is emphasized as it builds upon the, the, the descriptions of the Pharisees. Jesus says 26 to 30, as he goes back to scripture, talking about the days of Noah and Lot, uh, Jesus says, people were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day of Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Is Jesus saying living out the ordinaries of life uh, sinful? No, we're saying, yes, we have to live our life. The ordinaries of the life is not the problem. The problem is that you're expecting something wrong. You're expecting in things for your own self-good as you drink, marry, and eat, and live your life. If you expect that there will be judgment, that God will send His Son again to us in return, as He comes as a true judge, not only to destroy the sinfulness, but also to save as a good judge, then you will know that you should expect that there is an impending judgment, the day of the Lord that will come. So what is the problem here? Same as the Pharisees, you're expecting something wrong. You want to see something that you want to see. You want to hear what you want to hear. But Jesus says, listen to my words, see what I want you to see, and expect what I want you to expect. I have come, I have suffered, but I have been risen and taken up to heaven and stand on the right side of God, my Father, but I will return in judgment, but also in salvation. So Jesus says in clear warning that, yes, it's not talking about who deserves better, but it's talking about all of us stands in a disastrous situation, and only those who knows how they can be saved will be saved and delivered. That's why Jesus says, whoever uh, tries to keep their life will lose it. Like I said, they're trying to keep their life, expecting to survive as to focus on eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day, the ordinaries of life, expecting to sustain their life. But Jesus says, no, yes, you should do that. But no, you should expect that I will be returning. So expect in me. And whoever loses their life now for me will preserve it in the end as you join me in this eternal life as I save you. So that's what Jesus is getting at. That's what Jesus is teaching further to the disciples. So he says, I tell you, on that night, two people will be in the one bed. One will be taken and the other left. That's how it's going to come. It's going to come like a lightning. Suddenly, the day you will never know. You will never know when, but Jesus says, but still yet expect my return. For I am the good judge and come to save you, but also judge others who are self-centered, greedy, only living for their own glory. So the issue here is self-centeredness. Just like we saw in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, 
you see the rich man is oblivious of the disaster that you or we will meet as we live our self-centered life. But God, through Jesus, clearly teaches us, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are convicted that we are not self-centered, but God-centered by God's grace through Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts our soul to repent so that we know that there is a judgment because we saw Jesus die for our sins on the cross and be resurrected for life is powerful than death. So Jesus says in warning, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, there is a day that comes with judgment as Jesus returns. But we know that we expect that so we hope in salvation as we trust and depend on our Lord who can save and who will come in glory to deliver us. That is what we expect as we live out our ordinaries of our life. I hope that is true for you and for me. Let us pray. Father Lord, as we continue our daily lives, let us not forget that you have died for our sins on the cross. There is a judgment that is to come as you return. But we wait expectantly, not in despair, but with hope, for you will come to deliver us. For we know that we find our salvation in believing you. So Lord God, Lord God, as we live our life, let us not lose hope. Let us, expect, let us wait expectantly of you to return. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.